Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Dismantling Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. It is a show where we uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism because we want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. We are here today to have a conversation that has been much needed in our country for years. The events of 2020 with the murder of George Floyd, which we commemorated just a few days ago, awakened a group of people to racism here in America. A group of people who said that they didn't realize that racism still existed in 2021. Folks who thought that we had transcended racism in the United States because we had a biracial president. And so today's guest is really going to talk with us about the idea of choosing to stay in ignorance around racism. But before I get to our conversation today with our guest, Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville, I want to just invite us into the space. I know that when we discuss this topic of racism and dismantling racism, it creates a lot of angst inside of folks. And so whether you are a person who's dealt with racism all of your life and you're tired and you're weary of talking about it, or whether you're new to having this conversation about racism because you just woke up in 2020, or whether you've been in it at a long time doing this work, we sometimes need to just enter into this space with a willingness to learn, a willingness to listen, but also enter into this space, inviting ourselves to breathe, and not just because we say, I can't breathe. No, we breathe because we need to take a breath and realize the source that is available to us and that lives inside of us and that helps us get through each and every situation that we're going through. We take a breath to remind us to center down and to settle down. And we take a breath because we realize that that breath is indeed life. And if we have life in us, it gives us the ability to choose. So today I want to invite you to just take a couple of deep breaths in and release those breaths so that you may center and be present with us, fully conscious that you are a being with choice. Each time you take a deep breath in and you let that breath out, recognize that you can choose to see and you can choose to awaken to the experiences of others. I invite you to take another deep breath in and let that breath out, knowing that you can choose to let go of guilt, shame, defensiveness, or even privilege. And as you continue to breathe in and breathe out, you also can let go of the weariness as well, the fatigue. Just in this moment, just breathe in life. Let go of the tension that is there and choose to just be in this moment. Know that as a conscious being with choice, you can be different in the next few minutes than you are even now. And you can choose to serve the greater good wherever you are. So I invite you just to enter this space of dismantling racism and enter the conversation that Dr. Dorothy and I will have seeking something different than what you came into this conversation with. I'm so delighted to have her with me today because today's guest is really a colleague and a friend of mine. We have known each other for several years and the more that I know her, the more I'm impressed with her with the work that she does. And so we got into a conversation one day about the choices that we make. And so she adamantly said, we choose to be in ignorance around racism. And I, for one, believe that we can also choose what we're going to do about racism. And so I want to hear this conversation today about choosing to be in ignorance. But first, let me tell you a little bit about our guest, 
Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville. She's an international speaker, a best-selling author. She's an executive leadership coach and consultant. She's past president of the National Speakers Association in Connecticut. Dorothy has been the founder of four companies, including the Institute of Healing Arts and Sciences, where as a leader in the field of integrative health uh, in the United States, she, she trained numerous and thousands of people, shall I say, not just numerous, but thousands of practitioners because she engaged in this work for 19 years. And so I'm delighted to have Dr. Dorothy here. She has a fascinating history, but what we really want to talk about with Dr. Dorothy today is how she sees racism and choosing to, uh, how she sees people choosing to ignore racism, how we can become more aware, and really how we can become allies regardless of the work that we're doing. You don't have to be a person who teaches anti-racism courses like I do. Whatever your feel is, you can choose to be an ally. And so Dr. Dorothy has been just that. So Dr. Dorothy, thank you so much for coming to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I can't wait to get into conversations with you about choosing to be in this state of unconscious awareness. Thank you. It's so great to be here, as always, with you. So, Dr. Dorothy, listen, one of the things that you and I share, we share the fact that both of us are psychologists, and so we've worked with people for years, but we also share the fact that we're both in ministry. I am a pastor serving in a church, and you are the ex-nun. So with that, with our commonalities, you and I both talk about the importance of the sacred in our lives and in the ways in which it grounds us to see the shared humanity of others. So talk to me a little bit about your sacred connection and how you see that supporting the work that you do. Well, I, I truly believe that, you know, we were raised in the Christian faith. So to me, it's irrelevant what your faith system is, but that we were raised with a belief that we are all children of God, that we are all brothers and sisters on this land. And that to me, that's just a given reality. And if we are all brothers and sisters, we're all family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to me, you know, they, they have this expression lay people use, if you will, that um, a stranger is simply a friend I haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. And, and do you feel like, but so, so you feel like because we're all family, that that is one of the things that helps you to fight for social justice or give you like a strength and a resolve to Absolutely. fight for social justice? Absolutely. If we are all on this planet together and I truly believe every one of us is here to help each other become our best self. Every one of us is here to help all of those we're walking with, with compassion, with kindness, you know, and sometimes it's, that's a kick in the butt, you know, but, but, you know, it's often a hand up, mm-hmm. I mean, a hand out, but it's helping somebody who's going through a difficult time. It's helping somebody, whatever, it's applauding somebody's success. Mm-hmm. It's just being there for each other the way we would for brother or sister. So, Dorothy, one of the things I know for me as a person who's engaged in this work of dismantling racism, it can be wearying. And you heard me at the beginning of the show talk to people about, you know, making sure that we breathe. Because for me, when I breathe, it helps me to know that I am connected with life and that I am connected with a greater source. It's one of the things that fuels me and that it helps me get through the day to day. And so I make sure that I have a practice of connecting with sacred. So what are some of the things that you do to connect with your sacred source to remind you to just rise to this higher level of consciousness? Well, in in truth, and we've laughed about this together, but you, you've taught me, you have, when we confront, when we're together and we confront racism, you have more of an ability to take a deep breath than I do. (laughs) All right. I will get immediately aghast or enraged and, and you gently touch my hand and I breathe and come back. Um, so yeah, we help each other in different oh, ways. We do, know? but I, but I, I, and Dorothy, that right. is so funny that you say that because that is true. And, and there's a look that you put on your face when you feel like somebody is just being ignorant. However, what right. I do want to say for our listening audience 
that one of the things that I believe that helps you to come back so quickly right. is because you do have a routine of connecting with your sacred source. Because I think if we do this work and we're not grounded in something, we yeah. could easily forget that yeah. we have to operate at a higher level. So what are some practices that you do every day to stay connected with well, your source? The, the reality is every morning, even before I get out of bed, you know, I first wake up and I may physically stretch while I'm under my sheets and my blankets, but then I do a meditation. Then I always look at where am I now that I've woken up? Because we wake up in different states. We can wake up stressed. We can wake up depressed. We can wake up just excited to be alive. Mm -hmm. So it's that awareness of where am I right now? Mm -hmm. And recognizing that I woke up. There is another gift of the day. And I'm here because there's something for me to do today. And I'm not talking in terms of laundry and whatever. There's something I'm here to do today to make this world a better place. Yeah. And I know because you and I have also talked, even with that meditation, there is that place when we're feeling like angst inside, where we do sit in the silence and we do pay attention to breath. And folks will hear me say over and over and over again on this show, that is so important for us to breathe right because because we don't realize how we walk around every day and 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 breathing is such an automatic thing but often we're not paying attention to that breath and we're 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 uptight and anxious but i know that one of the things that you and i have talked about also is the importance of sitting in in that space of breathing but sitting with sacred and asking the question as you just said, what am I here to do today? Right. But, and there's also an awareness. I think that when you do meditation or mindfulness, everybody calls it a different name. When you do that every morning and, and, and for me, you know, that's a concentrated period of time. And throughout the day, it may be a split second. It may be for 30 seconds. It may, depending on what's going on, you know, I may have gotten so involved in something. I take a moment and step back and reconnect, reconnect with the essence of who I am, reconnect with this embodied soul, reconnect with me walking a sacred journey. Mm, Dorothy, I love that. I love that you're saying you reconnect, because I think that that's the beauty of being connected with sacred is to say that there are times throughout the day that we may lose that connection because we're getting, getting frazzled about by the events of the world. But it's so important, even during trauma, even when we witness something as heinous as George Floyd being murdered and other uh, people of color being murdered as well, or or violence against what, you know, the Asian community right now, it is so important for us to reconnect in order to figure out what's my next move. And I I think that's an imperative element. And I think that to me, it's a level of emotional intelligence. It's a level of spiritual development. When you have the ability to recognize I'm losing my center or I'm losing a a feeling of my own presence, I'm getting caught in the drama or the trauma of the moment, the chaos. If it's 14 phone calls coming in and three other things you need to do before a meeting in 10 minutes, you know, it's, wait a minute, I'm getting caught up in that energy of, of crises. I need to step back a moment because if I react from there, I'm not living in my truth. Yeah. Step well, back, recenter. Now, what I'm bringing to the world is the self, the soul that I've tried to develop and be in at this moment in time. Great, Dorothy. We are going to take just a quick break, and I want to invite everybody to come back to dismantle racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC and my special guest today, Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hello and welcome back to Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville. Dr. Dorothy, before our break, we were talking about connectedness with the sacred and you are an ex-nun and you've had this fascinating life and you are a Southie. You are from uh, Boston <laughs> Uh, and you talk freely about your time growing up uh, in the projects and growing up as a Southie. And I wonder if you could just really talk about a little bit of your personal transformation, just in terms of being an advocate in general, but your personal transformation to doing this work of dismantling racism and how you got to be so interested in racism in particular. Well, yeah, certainly, you know, as you know, it started when I was really early, you know, um, as, as, as a child, you know, when I was probably eight or nine years of age, you know, my dad um, was a very staunch Irishman and proud of his Irishness, um, who had no tolerance for anybody. The man was, God bless him, he was a generous soul, but he is filled with rage and hate, and he suffered a lot in his early life. And I would bring somebody home and my dad only wanted us to play with kids from Southern Ireland, you know, from the, the or descendants of those from Southern Ireland. He did not want us playing with anybody from Northern Ireland because they betrayed us. We, he didn't want us with Italians. He didn't want us at bringing Polish people home. He didn't want anybody. So I learned easily, you know, in, in associations with folks that I met at school or people I met other places that whatever my father's issue was, when you just go against people, a group of people, whether it's nationality or race, it doesn't matter. Boy, have you lost something. You, you don't know who they are. 
And so I'd meet these wonderful friends who happened to be Italian or happened to be Polish or whatever. So once I was older and in high school and would go over to Roxbury, which is more of a black area, black neighborhood, um, at least back in my day, God knows now everything's changed in Boston. But, um, and, and would be hanging over there with friends what I saw was most all of us were Christians whose parents were very strict, who tried to get away with as much as we could without our parents or the police knowing. Um, so not to, you, Dorothy, because you're so me. innocent. I, I know prayed you. for all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it was, you know, I thought, what is the big deal about this? We're all just really good kids knowing that our parents were strong in whatever church we belonged to that may have been the AME church versus the Catholic church. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. But to me, I saw the similarities. And so, so when my so dad cool. said something against him, it made no sense because none of the other, none of the other prejudices he had made any sense. So from very early on, I never saw or understood what the prejudice was all about. I mean, I saw it everywhere, but couldn't understand so Dorothy, it. then that brings up, and, and you know how we do when we're talking. Right. So yes, I, I, I will cut you <laughs> off a few times. But what, what you're actually talking about is this ability to choose very early on. Right. Is that you chose to really go outside of what your father's teachings were. Now, you may not have done it in front of him, because there were probably consequences, I imagine. But but yeah. then again, knowing you, maybe you did, but you <laughs> chose. And so talk a little bit about that choosing to see others the way that you did and, and talk a little bit about how you chose to see racism. Because in our conversations, you said anybody who doesn't recognize racism, they're choosing to remain in their ignorance. So talk to our audience about that. Well, because from my experience here and having been worked in this, you know, to help eliminate this or point it out when I see it, because so many people are unconscious even of racist thoughts and things that they say or share. Um, from my experience, it's when we look at culture today, you can look at it because this is how so many people are impacted. I, you know, I'm always shocked now when I meet somebody who has never met a black person or a brown person. And it's like, how could that be? But then when I think about it, they live in a small little town. They've never left that small little town. And there doesn't happen to be any black and brown people living in their small little town. So, all right, then, although that's an oddity to me, I can understand that that does happen. So, therefore, their understanding of people of color, of black people, whoever we're speaking about, is from television, is from radio, is from newspapers, if they're reading those are magazines. And the fact is, when you look at that, we can show, if we're open, we show the worst of every race, white included, on television. We show the worst, the criminals, we show the rapists, we show all of this. We also show the best. Now, if I choose to focus on the best of the white people that I see on TV or, in, or here in the radio, and I choose to focus on the worst of the black people I see in TV and radio, that's a choice. You know, what, what am I doing here? Because you're also seeing black lawyers, you're seeing black physicians, you're seeing black uh, accountants, you're seeing all of these other folks on television. Well, Why so, are you only identifying with? with well, so Dorothy, uh, somebody from my audience might say, because you and I are both psychologists and we know how our, our views are shaped. And if you have an overabundance of the negative popping up, Whatever that group of people you're dealing with, that's what you're going to focus on. So what would you say to those people who say, uh, yes, but mostly when the news is talking, they always point out suspect. So are they choosing to only see the suspect part? Would you say they are again? I, I'm assuming we're talking about people with any level of intelligence. You know, and here we go. And I don't mean education, that's an irrelevant concept. You know, you can be highly intelligent without an ounce of education, All right? So looking at, we are choosing to focus on what we choose to focus on. Now, I grew up with 17 years and many of us grew up with 17 years of racism or ethnicity or whatever the case may be. Um, <clears throat> the worst is always the best and then there's the rest. You know, and either the rest are horrible or they're just not as good as we are, depending on, on your parents' teachings, right? 
And so what ends up happening then is as we get out and we get exposure, yes, we bring our filters, but if we choose, you know, of, of biases or whatever that may be, um, but as we meet people, we can choose to let our biases define what we see, mm. or we can look at the reality that, oh my God, you know, because, you know, we've, we've been out and people have said to you, you sound so intelligent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and not, and not even recognizing first that the, the, that's a microaggression. Why would I not sound intelligent? So I have a PhD and I actually happen to have three master's degrees on top of that. So if I don't sound intelligent, there's something wrong with each of those schools that I've gone to, right? But there's also even beyond my many degrees. Right. I was raised in a family where we were taught and a community where we were taught uh, skills and abilities and knowledge. And I was taught this sometimes by people who didn't even have that much education, but it's because I come from a culture that's also a bright and brilliant culture, right. but people don't see that. And so what you're saying about choice, what I'm hearing is, is, is what we choose to look at. And as a therapist, I always say that as well as what we choose to look at in life, whether that's the trauma we've been through, whether it's um, the circumstances that we're going through at the moment, we can choose how we will go through that process, how we will come out of that process, how we will see the people with whom we're interacting. But what I also hear you saying, Dorothy, in this conversation is, is that we can choose to ask questions. Because one of the things that happened during 2020 is that when I worked with white folks in in dismantling racism, a lot of white people, including people who were close to me, were very angry. They were angry about what was happening in the country around racism. And they were angry because they said, how come I didn't know? Why didn't I know the history of this country? And I thought, because you didn't ask questions. So for me, when I went to school and I heard a particular history, I also came back to a community that told me the counter story. And I knew that wasn't true. And so I find that. Let's go back into that again. When I was in high school, um, Martin Luther King Organization had an office in Boston. And I became involved in the Martin Luther King Organization that was up in Boston. And yeah, not everybody had to do that, but we all knew it was there. We all knew about his nonviolent approach. We all knew that there were different ways to do this. And the commitment, the decision to recognize what's right in front of us, because it's all out there. You know that everything comes out in the news. There's not a lot of secrecy. Um, How do we choose to respond? How do we choose to react to that? And to me, it becomes... I choose to not see what would shatter my belief systems. And I'm not talking as a deep psychologist and personal growth. I'm just talking as an adult going through the world. How can anybody with a heart, soul, and compassion not recognize the absolute brutality? And so when I just a couple of weeks ago heard somebody say, well, if the Blacks just didn't give police a hard time, there wouldn't be any difficulties. And, and Dorothy, I yeah. can't tell you how many times I have heard people say, well, if they just did what the police told them, they wouldn't get shot. And I'll say, but you saw the man walking down the street with his hands up. And being so shot in the back. The, being shot in the back. So how is it that they're not doing what the police are telling? And so I, I love this conversation around choice and what we choose to see and how we choose to remain ignorant. But there are also choices for us to become aware and there are choices for us to become allies. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with Dismantling Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC and my guest, Dr. Dorothy Martin-Neville, so that we can continue our conversation. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC, Uplift, Educate, Empower. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. Today's guest is Dr. Dorothy Martin-Neville. Dr. Dorothy, before the break, we were talking a lot about choosing and choosing really to become aware of racism and how it exists. But there, there are even subtle ways in which our implicit biases show up in ways in which we choose to uh, remain unconscious and not be aware of even those implicit biases. And so when we talk about this idea before the break and of, of folks saying, why don't they just do what the police tell them to do? Right. We're not even conscious that we have biases towards groups of people. We're not even conscious that we think of black males as being suspects, as opposed to being uh, men who are Uh, strong, resilient men who are working in their families and in their communities and helping to build this nation and to build the world. We're not even conscious that when we are in meetings, for instance, and we're sitting there and there's a Black man and even sometimes a Black woman, that we're a little nervous when we're around them. And by we, I mean white people. I don't mean me. Uh, And so I just want to be really clear about that. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I've heard white people make those comments. I've heard white people assume that when a black man is speaking, that he's speaking in a way that's hostile or aggressive when he's just talking. I've had people even say to me, because I speak with a lot of energy and enthusiasm, you know, uh, wondering if I'm angry about something or if I'm not smiling. If I'm angry, as if I have to present in a certain way. And so I think the thing is, is to become aware of our implicit biases. And the only way for us to do that is to get training or to think about how am I feeling when a Black person is presenting or shows up in a room? Are the thoughts that I'm making based on reality or this is this my assumption based on what I've seen. I think about how you and I first met. Now, of course, we would naturally connect because we're just these two powerhouses from my common. But I think about, I was probably one of, 
if not the only person of color in that networking Mm -hmm. uh, event that we had. Mm -hmm. I think we ought to think how many times do we reach out to the other when we're in places like that to make others feel welcome? And I think you and I just sort of instantly, instantly connected, you know, based on your own experiences, your work in this area, and because you fear coming to talk with me. I've had, I've had folks say that they've wanted to connect with a person of color in, in a networking setting, but then they wondered if it was okay. Why would you wonder if it's okay? You don't wonder that when you're going to talk to a white person. So, so tell me a little bit about what has helped you to work through, if you ever had any, because I don't really think you have, but if you ever had some discomfort with dismantling racism, this, you know, again, yeah, you're, you're right that it, because it's I, I was blessed and ironically as contradictory, contradictory as, as I would be with my dad saying don't. So of course I did, and then didn't see any, you know, couldn't understand it because we we were just kids. Um, so for me, yeah, it's been pretty natural because it's just how I started out early. But um, for me, it's, it's really, I guess I learned to look at who are they? Who mm-hmm. are they? And because I love being around powerful women, because they have a sense of who they are, so you can have a, a real conversation without the masks on, that when you and I met, there was another woman who also had presence, who also, without saying a word, knew who she was. And then when somebody said, oh, she's a psychologist and minister, I said, oh, my God, I got to meet her, you know. Mm-hmm. So here, because we're, we're a rare combination, you know. Um, so I, to me, it was, yeah, it was just meeting. Well, Dorothy, I, I, and I love all of that, but I think you've also stretched yourself in some ways. And what I want to invite you to do is just to talk to the audience about stretching. I mean, you lived in Anguilla. You know, you've had this phenomenal experience of, of being in relationship, you know, with, with folks of color. So how did, you know, was there a point where you just, you just, I mean, I know you've always done kind of what you wanted to do in life, but how do we help our audience stretch beyond the fears and the limitations of doing this work? Because I do want to acknowledge for those who are listening, if you've not done this work before, if you've only been around white people before, this is difficult work for you to do. It is. And, and I honor that, that it's difficult. If your world has been very insulated, mm-hmm. it's difficult to mix with anybody or to meet anybody. Even the illusions of I come from a small town and I'm going into a big city. Those people are sophisticated. They won't like me putting race and everything else aside. They're so sophisticated. I'm not, I won't fit in. So that's a common mindset anyway. So, but when it comes to people of other races, that's an even bigger one because of what is promoted or has been promoted in our media. All right. So I, I, do, I truly do understand that. My my piece comes is that we're always, if we're honest, maybe not during this pandemic, but we're always walking into new realities. We're always meeting new people. We're always walking into new situations. And I can walk into all of those filled with fear. Mm-hmm. Or I can walk into them with a sense of adventure. And what is that? And if I've been taught that all Black men are dangerous... Really? I just saw somebody over there that looks so kind and so nice in their interactions with somebody. So maybe at least he isn't dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then as I speak and say hello, if, if I'm outgoing and say hello, then maybe I'll have an awareness that maybe that illusion was an illusion and not a reality. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, we're never done. I think in this work of, of, of dismantling racism, we are never done. Well, Dorothy, I, I, so I just want to interject for a minute because I love that you're saying that we can look to say, well, that person isn't dangerous. Right. And, 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 and often what, what white people will do sometimes will say, well, you're not like the rest of them. 
So we want to make sure that people don't have that chance. But what I've also found is sometimes people can know someone for years or work with them for years. And still there's this underlying fear because we've been socialized. And so I think that what I would invite people to do is to continue to keep working at it, working at it, working at it, to uncover what your biases are so that you can recognize you have an irrational fear, you know? Yeah, and there's two, there's double levels to this, and that's one of them. Yes, is working to understand your irrational fears, to understand a bias you didn't even know you had, to understand a belief system that you thought was universal, and now you can recognize, hmm, maybe not. Maybe it's mine and the folks who trained me, and not a universal belief system. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, and Dorothy, that's exposure. Though, that's exposure. It, I mean, it is exposure. Growing up as an Irish Catholic girl in Boston, I thought the entire world ate fish on Fridays. The entire world did it this way, you know, and it wasn't until I get out of Southie and met people that weren't Catholic, that weren't Irish, that were having fish on Fridays because of whatever reasons and thought, oh, my God, other people do it differently. I wonder what else other people do differently. So what we're talking about really is the inquisitiveness nature, you know, the inquisitive nature that goes out and learns. But there's also an awareness, like you said, somebody may have, and I love this one, says, oh, I'm not racist, I have a black friend. Oh, my gosh. How wonderful. How wonderful for you. How well do you know them? Oh, very well. How many kids do they have? Um, I think three. Well, Listen, that, and, and, that's and a deep personal a, relationship. Yes. Right. And having, a, having a black friend or a black husband or black children or black wife or black partner does not it's make irrelevant. a person irrelevant. racist. It's, it's really about racism does not require intent or malice. It really is about the uncovering of all right, of, of our levels of consciousness and our behavior. But Dorothy, I want to go back to something really quickly before um, we, we take a break soon. And that is this. So while we have been talking about the discomfort of white people doing the work of dismantling racism. I also want to point out that for people of color, that it is important for us to also get out of our comfort zones and to do this work of dismantling racism. I know we're tired and I know we're weary. And that's a day for, we're going to talk about that on, on other shows as well, because I do think that this is a lot of work that white people need to do, but people of color as well, because sometimes what we could do is stay in our own areas as well as in our own silos. And we don't reach out perhaps in the way that we need to. Now, part of that is because uh, lack of trust, you know, understandably, and again, being weary because, you know, when I'm with a black friend, I can talk completely uh, in the way that I want to talk, use references that I want to use, be open about what's going on in my life without there being this judgment. And I, of course, I can do that with my white friends too, because the white friends that I choose to be in deep relationship with are people who understand and get racism. And I can show up as myself. Right. So I understand that sometimes, you know, uh, people don't want to stretch outside of that. People of color don't want to stretch outside of that because it's like we have to be a certain way at work sometimes. We don't want to be that way when we're in our friendships. But what I want to do is to encourage folks that if we're going to dismantle racism, it requires all of us stepping outside of our discomfort zone and being willing to engage in the deep work of healing racism, not just in this country, but in any country. Because across the world. Yeah, across the world. And, it, and it is that there needs to be a reaching out on both sides. And there also has to be an understanding that for a, a black woman or man to reach out, there's more, there's justification for more tentativeness because of what they may be confronted with. They don't know who is or isn't racist when it starts. There's also a piece to go into that we we didn't bring up is that it does matter with somebody like myself who's been working in this for a lifetime, really. I mean, I was six or seven years old, you know, when it started, my awareness started that we're never done, that we're never done, you know, um, and it's and it's the choosing to be, this is that conscious choice again, the conscious choice to be aware 
and be compassionate and sensitive too. Mm-hmm. I remember once we were talking about something and I said, um, when George Floyd died and you said, no, when he was wor- murdered. And I said, oh yes. And then I said, okay, it sounds different. Now I understand. I will attempt, we're all human, I will attempt never again to say when George Floyd died, but when George Floyd was murdered, um, because certainly I believe that, but you know, it's just, all right, if that, just that term creates a reaction, I want to be conscious not to create that reaction. So, and, and Dorothy, I think, again, the thing that you chose in that moment too, was not to be defensive but to really hear and to listen. I know that you wouldn't be, but for our audience, it's really important. When we engage in deep relationships, interracial relationships, it's important for us to listen. You and I pull each other's chains all the time about all types of things, but we can certainly talk about race and not be all anxious about it or caught up about it. I know that I can fully express something to you and you can likewise. And even when you're not intentionally, um, you know, like I I remember a conversation we had and you call someone a boy. Now I understood why you call them a boy because they're in their twenties and I call people (laughs) in their twenties kids sometimes too. But I also then said, well, Dorothy's man, right? Because, because I knew the history of calling black men boy. And so, and you and I had a deep conversation about it because there was no intention on your part, but it was important to be able to offer that to you so that you wouldn't go to someone else and have that conversation who might be offended. I wasn't offended because I know you. And that's what it's about, choosing to also be in relationship. We've given people a lot of choices they can make today. But we have to to go to a quick break. And I want to invite you all to come back as I continue my conversation with Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Dismantle, uh, Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC and Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville. And I always have a smile on my face when we're coming back from break because Dorothy's just grooving over there to the, to the music. Um, and so Dorothy, we only have a little bit of time 
left on our show today. And I really would love for you to talk with our audience. You are uh, an executive uh, leader or transformational leader who works with executive uh, folks. And you have developed this assessment tool around our personality traits. Can you just share a little bit for folks out there who might be a little tentative in getting involved in this work? How do we begin to infuse this work in our everyday work? We don't have to be out here marching in the streets, but how do we become an ally? Like, how would you think about those five personality traits that you have? What an individual could do who uh, falls into one of those categories to dismantle racism? It's, to me, it's easy. It's, it, well, it's easy. It's simple, not necessarily easy. But when you're a thought leader and you're somebody who's very creative and, and coming up with all of these wonderful ideas and um, whatever your ideas are for business or for your life, whatever, how open is it? Is it inclusive? Is it something? And being conscious of the fact that, oh, I didn't think about, you know, if you're a team leader, looking at in your team, who's in your team? How small is your team? How um, selective is it? Are you open to bringing in the best? Because every culture has so much to offer. I, I don't care what the industry is. Our background in addition to our education is what makes us so good at what we do. So how much are they bringing in black and brown people to their, their team to really round it out with so much different culture and awarenesses and ways of looking at the world to make it a better place. A supportive leader, who are you supporting? You know, are you really open to giving a hand up, to giving wisdom, to really having everybody's back? And if you're leaning towards, you see you lean towards a particular group, you're more comfortable having their back. Why? Be aware, simply that conscious awareness of, oh, I just realized I always uh, step up to support so-and-so. I don't do so-and-so. Why? What is that about for you? And can you pull that strength out of you if you need to do so to go talk with that individual you're not always supportive of and find more about him or her? So mm -hmm. how can you be really supportive? If you're a visionary leader and you're somebody who makes things happen, you have that ability, that charisma to go out and make things happen. In what way are you doing it? And how are you bringing the need for inclusivity in here? How are you bringing the awareness of racism and bias into whatever you're creating? Because if we accept that it is a day reality, a day-to-day -day reality, we don't think, oh, I didn't think about it. It wasn't in front of me. It is in front of you. It may not be in your immediate circle, but it is an everyday part of our reality. No matter who you are, you're aware that there's been a lot of bombs dropped in Palestine and Israel lately. You know, if you're aware of that, you're aware of what's going on in the news and you don't have to spend five hours a day on the news to know that racism is a major issue here. So if you're consciously walking and I believe we're all called to make this world a better place. I think every one of us who's alive on this planet is called to grow into our best self and to make this world a better place. So how are you doing that? Because racism is a significant issue. It has been for hundreds of years. But with social media, with TV, we can say for hundreds of years, I didn't know about it. But there's nobody who doesn't know about it today. You know, even if it isn't in your community, there's nobody who is unaware that racism is a major problem in this country, however you perceive it, whatever you think about the police, whatever you think about the factory of just sending young black men and women into prison. Let's look at this. We're aware that that is happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so what are we as leaders? What are we doing in the consciousness of making this world a better place through our leadership. And, and Dorothy, tell people where they can get um, the assessment from. So the assessment doesn't necessarily cover the dismantling racism piece, but they can get the assessment and apply some of that those to it. The assessment is on my website, askdrdorothy.com. It's A-S-K-D-R. Dorothy, D-O-R-O-T-H-Y.com. So they can find that there. It's right in the landing page, the homepage. It'll be there for them to sign up, take that, take that little assessment 
And there's a whole explanatory, it's a three page explanatory, how to use it and what to do with it. But yeah, it's understanding that we are all leaders on this planet. Every one of us, whether we are in corporate, whether we are entrepreneurs, whether we work for nonprofit, or we're at home, we're a leader in our own life. Mm-hmm. And in my own life, if I'm here to make this world a better place, and I know that's an assumption, but if I'm here to make this world a better place, I need to look at some of the major problems in our culture. And right now, one of the major problems in our culture that's right up front is racism. And so how am I, how am I individually dismantling racism? And how, where do I see it? And we don't have to open up our eyes too widely to see it pretty much everywhere we go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Dorothy, I just want to thank you so much for being my guest today, for talking with us about the, the idea of choosing. And what we've talked about today is choosing to really uh, come out of ignorance right. and to wake up. And we are also saying that we can choose the actions that we will take moment by moment and as transformational leaders or whether, because we're all leading in some way, whether we're leading our, our, just the people in our family or our community or our churches, we're leading. And so we've talked about this idea of choosing, choosing to see something different than you saw before, choosing to be something different than you were before. So I want to thank you for being our guest today. I want to invite our guests to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz. And I really want to invite you all to come back to our show next week, Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. Thank you so much for coming. We're going to ask Dr. Dorothy to close us out with a blessing. Oh, I would, I would love to. Um, Holy Spirit, we ask that you support all of us in developing the needed wisdom and unconditional love and compassion needed to recognize the universal brotherhood of all of us so that we live on a daily basis and aware of how we walk with our brothers and sisters, how we care for our brothers and sisters, how we bring joy and faith into the life of all of those we meet so that acceptance, faith, and joy is a part of every interaction. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Dorothy. And I will see you all next week on Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. 
you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc do you love or are you intrigued about new york city and its neighborhoods i'm jeff goodman host of rediscovering new york a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Howdy, hey, Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 